This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello there, mindful listeners. Thank you so much once again for spending some of your day with us. Hope, oh, boy, I, I can't wait. And I know I always say this, but we're going to be talking about our brains, which are really important, right? Uh, there was an old saying, what, in the 70s, a mind is a terrible thing to lose. True, brains are as well. But I've got an incredible book that was sent to me about three weeks ago that I've been pulling through. It's called The Better Brain, Overcome Anxiety and Combat Depression with what? With nutrition. Now, you all know I've been talking for over 400, 500 episodes now that I'm a naturopathic doctor, um, licensed in California to practice primary care. But one of the fundamental foundational things in any clinical case that I see has to do with nutrition. And, you know, I think people, because of, um, gosh, probably because of the industry, I think there's a nutrition industry, right? And anytime there's a market, the messaging and the marketing can get very seductive, right? And we can get all very confused about how to eat, what to eat. But when I think about nutrition, I actually think about our biochemistry because when I first took my very first biochemistry class, I was blown away because each and everything that happens in our bodies, like from a uh, cellular perspective, happens, you know, with the uh, the help of a cofactor, which is a vitamin or a mineral. And that is what nutrition is. When you take a, bi- a biochemistry class, it is like taking a nutrition class. There are cofactors that make our eyes focus, that make our liver detox, that make our endocrine system, our hormones work. And there all has to do with how we nourish ourselves. So, you know, here's, here's one of the points I want to bring up at the top of the show to get us into this. Okay. According to the CDC, one in five Americans suffer from some sort of mental illness. That's one in five. And antidepressant use has risen 65% since 1999, 65%. But what if the key to treating mental illness can't be found at the pharmacy? Well, we're going to find that out. But it lies in the food we eat every day. So who's, here's who I'm going to introduce. I'm going to introduce the leading scientist, Bonnie J. Kaplan. She's going to talk about this incredible book, The Better Brain, Overcome Anxiety and Combat Depression with Nutrition. Dr. Kaplan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. May I call you Holly, and I hope you'll call me Bonnie. Yes, and yes, yes absolutely. And before we get going, let's establish... Um, the type of doctor you are, and what you've been up to. And then we're going to get into this incredible book. Sure, that would be great. I have a co-author, a former student, actually, Julia Rucklidge. We are both PhDs. I was a research scientist uh, doing clinical trials, clinical research my entire career. My PhD is in experimental physiological psychology, and I'm trained in neurophysiology. And Julia Rucklidge, who is now at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand, where she's been for over 20 years, and she does clinical research also on nutrition and mental health, but she's also a trained clinical psychologist, whereas I never did clinical work. There you go. Okay, so you are the lead scientist, that researcher. I love it. So this book, why another book, though, on mental health? I mean, if you just Google, there's so many out there. Talk about why this one. There's so many on nutrition. There are so many on mental health. But there are some things about our book that I, I really are quite, well, they're completely unique. First of all, it's written by two scientists who have been doing the research on nutrition and mental health. We're not translating other, well, we do translate other people's research because we're covering the world literature in this area. But 
a lot of it is our own, and that's really important. Secondly, it's written for the general public. And thirdly, um, oh, I, I have a list of about ten things, but I'll just give you three or four. We really, <laughs> okay. we really teach people why it's important. There are tons of books out there on nutrition. I, I think of them as the shake a finger in your face kind of book sometimes. You know, like, you should eat this, you should eat that. <laughs> but they never tell why. You just said more in your introduction, by the way, Holly, than anyone in the previous 30 interviews that I have done. You understand and have just taught your audience about the biochemical basis of why nutrients are essential every minute of every day in your brain. Elsewhere in your body, too, but our brain is the greediest little organ that we have in terms of sucking up nutrients and, of course, oxygen. So those are several of the unique things. That's great. I love that you call our brains greedy and because, but it's important. I mean, look, it's, it's functioning so hard every single day, especially in our modern day with uh, environmental influences. And well, we're going to get into all of that because the things that are, are making what we eat, our nutrition less valuable than it could be for sure. So let's talk about how nutrition can impact these clinical conditions. Now, you mentioned that you're not a clinical in the clinical space, but with the research and with your co-author, when we think about mental illness, anxiety, and depression, let's talk about how nutrition, lack of it, and the value of it impacts these clinical conditions that, as you said, are being diagnosed more and more and more. And you know, I came from a family of pharmacists and I was very well-versed in the here, take this approach to anything. You've got something going on here, take this. And that's it. Nothing else was talked about. Nothing else was discovered. Nothing else. There was no curiosity about why, right? It was just here, take this. And that's what you've seen in the use of antidepressants across the board. And I see it all the time, especially in uh, my menopausal women coming into the office who have had complaints and mood shifts and things going on with their brain naturally. And that's what they've been offered. Their primary thing that they've been offered is a medication and nothing else. And then that's when we get a chance to get right into it. But let's talk about the lack of nutrition and how nutrition plays a big part in these clinical conditions. Okay, so that's kind of a two-part question, and I'd like to address each part because they're really important. The first has to do with the prevalence. Uh, maybe the lay public would use the term frequency of mental health, but it's the at any given time, as you said, from the CDC data and also up here in Canada, um, it's very clear that at least one out of five people is struggling with a mental health challenge. That is shocking because most of them are on medication. And as we say in the book, we ask our audiences all the time, Julie and I, because we're always giving lectures to groups, we ask how many of you know someone close, either in your own family, maybe you, someone else, or someone close to you who is struggling with a mental health challenge. And it's always more than 98% of the audience raises their hand. Now, that wasn't true 30, 40, 50 years ago. And one of the things that has changed is we have more medications. So you got to wonder why we keep, I mean, medications are clearly not the solution because if they were, mental health problems would be going down instead of going up. And they're going way up beyond where, you know, initially we thought it was just because, oh, more people are self-identifying, self-referring and saying, hey, I need help. And we want to encourage that. People who need help should reach out. But that doesn't explain this increase in prevalence. I mean, the World Health Organization says 
that the lifetime occurrence is one in two. 50% of us will have a mental health disorder in our lifetime. That's insane. That is That tells you something is wrong. And there are many things that are wrong, but our book is about nutrition. So the second part of your question, shall I move right into that? I, I, I have said this so many times that, you know, as you said, if we see the prevalence of the use of medication go up, and if they were working, then we would see the diagnosis and the self-identifying go down because that would make sense if they were working. But I see this not only in in brain issues and mental health issues like anxiety and depression, ADHD, etc., but I see this across the board, and I've said this so many times. If you look at, I mean, we've got now pop wellness doctors, right, on TV that people tune into every single day. We've got podcasts on health. As you said, we've got tons of books on nutrition um, and, and brain health. We've got all of this information out there. But I see chronic illnesses across the board continuing to climb. So, you know, we have to ask the question, like, what's going on? So I just, I just wanted to say that because I think it's important. Because as you said, um, for me, nobody has talked about why. And I think that people can can do better for themselves and make better choices and use their mind when they understand the why. When you put the dots really close together so they can connect them and own their own health care, own their own sort of primary care provider, them primarily being in charge of providing care for themselves, because I think that's where we need to get to. So, okay, second part of the question. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's that was excellent. I could have said every word that you just said. We're totally in tune with each other, Holly. It's great. I mean, it is an empowering message that what you're eating is affecting your mental health because you can change what you're eating. And, and it's been known for millennia that nutrition is the foundation of resilience. It kills me how often I hear people interviewed about resilience and they never mention nutrients. And it's the first thing you've got to fix before you deal with all those other important things having to do with self-expression and support and family, etc. So why, how do we know that nutrition is that relevant for mental health? Well, I'm not going to quote you stuff going back 100 years, but if I just go back over the last 20 years, we have very clear studies in about a dozen countries around the world showing that people who eat a whole foods diet have less mood and anxiety problems, and people who eat a lot of processed food have more mood and anxiety problems. Now, that is not proving causation. That's correlational. So then you have to look at the next step. We have not 12, but maybe half a dozen or so studies that are longitudinal. They're called longitudinal prospective studies where you take a group of people and you look at how they eat and you look at their mental health and you track them for a while and you discover that how they're eating today predicts, for example, from one study from Spain, predicts their uh, vulnerability to being diagnosed with depression six years down the line. Okay, So what we're eating today is affecting our brain function in ways that show up over time. So those are two steps in the link of causality. And then we have two more. We have uh, a small group of studies, because I really can think of only three, because these are a little harder to do, where people are taught to improve their diet by eating a whole foods kind of diet. And if you take a group of people with major depression and do that, you can make a lot of the depression go away 
within like six to 12 weeks with no side effects, by the way, except good ones. And so that is a very strong statement, and that's the third kind of data. And then the fourth kind is really the stuff that Julie and I have contributed to the most. So we present that um, in the book, and that is in various situations, we have shown that no matter how well people are eating, that if they still have symptoms of, say, mood and anxiety problems and enter one of our clinical trials, we can help a lot of them resolve their symptoms if we give a certain kind of micronutrient supplement. And the kind is that it's got the nutrients in a broad spectrum the way we should be getting them from our food instead of just one nutrient at a time, you know? Yeah. So that's four links that go from correlation through causation to through treatment, which are very solid. They're, the literature is vast. And the lay public, the general public, does not, even the scientists and the physicians, are not aware of this yet. No. And so why? Because the media is not interested. So we're trying to generate the interest in the general public. Right. And the media is not interested because why? I mean, it's just what we, you know... It, uh, it's, yeah. Why well, not? Where do they get their money? How exactly. Do they get it well, that's the, the thing. Food? You know, I, I yeah. think we could... <laughs> have the conversation that's the conversation of the year right now. And it, it drives me crazy about how the media is covering. I mean, if I never heard the word vaccination again, it would probably be too soon. I guess. Because, I mean, it's just another case, right? I mean, sure, certainly we can talk about, you know, a pandemic like this and and, and vaccinations and, and that being helpful. But the, the fact that we are not talking about how inflamed our society is because of poor nutrition, how only 12% of Americans don't have a metabolic disorder, which can kick off that cytokine storm if you do get infected and how our immune systems are so dampened by lack of proper nutrition. I mean, those are the conversations that are missing, but same thing, right? The media isn't covering it. We can't talk about it because it's, you know, there's, I've always said, there's the sweet spot I think for money is it's not in wellness. If you're well, nobody's making a lot of money, right? If, If you're sick, if you're dead, nobody's making a lot of money. But the sweet spot is right in between there. It's like just stay limping along, needing assistance from Big Pharma. And mm. then there you have it. So um, not to go down this rabbit hole, because I probably could get lost as well as you. Um, but you make some great points there as far as four different links to the research. And, you know, before I became a naturopathic doctor, I was a nurse. And most of my nursing was spent in the mental health area of nursing. And it was this really cool program in Grand Rapids, Michigan called ACT, so Assertive Community Treatment. And I was able to work with chronically mentally ill adults out in the community um, after they'd been released from the hospital and didn't have any support, you know, after they'd maybe been 5150, which is like they have to go to the hospital because they're harmed to themselves or another person, they'd get stabilized on medications. And of course, discharged, but to no support. So that's where we got them. And then we were able to develop um, areas of their lives and support. But one of the things that always, um, you know, it was medication management, it was jobs, it was housing, all that. But one of the things that always got my attention was that most of these folks with depression, schizophrenia, mental illness, um, coffee, sugar, and cigarettes were the basis of their diets. And I knew even back then, because I got, got into holistic nursing, that I know these people could do better if we could clean up their diets. Right. 
Right. And by the way, they would crave cigarettes less. And Julie's published one, one very good study showing uh, reduced craving and a better ability to get off of cigarettes in people who were given additional micronutrients. Oh, by the way, that's the first time I, I think I used the word micronutrients. Shall we? Does your audience know the difference, or should I explain the mi- macro micro? Yeah, let's let's explain it because I think even sometimes that people do know it, it's great to be reminded, okay. and then it's also people think, you know what? I already knew that, and and I feel good about okay, that. So good. Go, go right ahead. We can say <laughs> well, anything. Right. I'm sure a lot of people kind of will understand this that they kind of had a gut feeling that this was true, but let me just explain. Macronutrients are the big categories, uh, the proteins, fats, and carbs that you see on a lot of the food that you eat, everything that's packaged. Um, If it's uh, very processed food, um, the protein is good for you, the fats are probably the wrong kind, and the carbs are almost certainly the wrong kind um, because it's probably refined flour. So um, that's what's on uh, packaged food. But also you'll see minerals and vitamins. And minerals and vitamins, I I used to say, Julie and I got tired of saying vitamins and minerals, minerals and vitamins, so we use the term micronutrients. The term micronutrient actually, dietitians, different ones, have slightly different interpretations of them. They'd say, oh, you shouldn't include calcium as a micronutrient because we have to have a lot of it. But it's still, these are still the uh, molecules that we get from plants. There are about 30 of them. Our brain needs every single one of them all day, every day, and so we just use the word micronutrients refer, to refer to them. And they are not in your processed foods or your ultra-processed foods, I should say. That's what's really changed. And by the way, one of the other statistics in our book that's the most horrifying one that I have seen, even worse than the prevalence rates, Julia, or, or I called you Julia, sorry, Holly. <laughs> I used to talking to my co-author. Um, I love it. So one of the really, the horrifying thing is that for at least 15 years here in Canada, probably the same amount of time in the U.S., we have voluntarily been running an experiment on ourselves because 50% of what we are consuming has no, virtually no micronutrients. It's ultra-processed food. You go into any grocery store, at least 80% of the food in there is nutrient-free, micronutrient-free. I mean, they just are not feeding our brains. And we are choosing to eat that kind of thing half the time. That's horrible. And if people understood how horrible it was, and that's why in chapter two, we show the picture with the cofactors, they would make better choices and they would feel empowered to take responsibility for improving their brain health. Yeah, the picture with the cofactors is amazing. And I think it's, and and that's another thing that I, I love about your book is that um, even though I have an education and, and I'm, uh, a terminal degree is an ND and I've been uh, you know, reading scientific literature for a long, long time, this was such a pleasure to read and it made sense. And that that's what thrilled me the most is that, you know, folks that are suffering and, and, and there are a lot, one in five, and I bet, I bet maybe a little bit more can pick this up and actually have tools right away as far as what kind of food to eat, right? The, the ideal diet. And why? That, that's the big thing is why. If you see how those cofactors make the connections of the neurotransmitters in your brain, you will be empowered. And I think as, as you say, Bonnie, t- 
people have a chance to take responsibility. And then I want to talk about supplements real quick because you'd mentioned it. And I've been a consultant in the natural product industry for for quite a while. And once again, I I said, you know, there's a food industry, there's a nutrition industry, there's a natural supplement industry, and you always got to be careful because you know it's an industry when it's managed, it's marketed, and, you know, it makes a profit. Um, And I, I, I always help people when I'm recommending certain supplements that are, you know, evidence-based at a dosage that makes sense, doesn't just have a bottle claim, but has a, you know, body claim, um, that a supplement just certain, even if you look at it in the dictionary, it means that it's, it's adding to something that's already there, right? Uh, or adding to or enhancing something that's already there. So it's our diet. And as you well know, because of the research, we have a compromised food system. We have compromised soil that are lacking the nutrients. So then, the, then, the, then we have compromised choices that, as you say, people are, are making because of the refined food products um, that we are, are, you know, that are high, highly processed flour and sugar that we are somewhat addicted to. Um, and so, supplementing, I love the there's there's advice when to supplement and how to supplement in your book. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, the why, again, is really important. In fact, sometimes I think our book, t- our subtitle of the book should have been, This is Why, because that's what's really yeah. unique about the book. So our brain really needs all of these micronutrients every day. And we have, we have one chapter on the microbiome that includes half the chapters on the microbiome of the soil and the problem of the depletion of the soil, which results in depletion of micronutrients in the plants, which means that our food does not have as many micronutrients as, our, as the food that our grandparents were eating, for example. And so that's one reason to supplement. But, you know, there, and so even if you feel well, uh, if you're getting older, as most of us are getting older, you might want to be adding a bit as an insurance policy. But there's another really important group of people, and we don't have adequate testing for this yet, but there are people who seem to have been born with a need for an unusual amount of micronutrients. Now, you know, there's research going on about this, but what I can tell you now is that we have seen again and again people who are eating really good diets, meaning whole foods, lots of emphasis on organic foods, and we like to think that our organic farmers are better stewards of the soil, although we don't have, um, well, that's a long story. At any rate, even some of those people still have mental health challenges which are resolved or partly resolved by taking a broad-spectrum supplement. So that tells us that about individual differences, which is already known in physical health. There are people who have known unusual syndromes because they have inherited a metabolic need for an unusual number of cofactors, and you can make them uh, asymptomatic, symptom-free, by giving them additional micronutrients. It hasn't been proven in the mental health world yet, but I think it will be because we see it all the time, and by the way, it's what Linus Pauling predicted would be the case in the 1960s. So for those people, too, it's really important to consider supplements. But Julie and I, I say that we're academic snobs. We believe that we should not be mentioning 
any formula in the book that does not have an evidence base that has been generated by scientists who have no commercial ties. Julie and I have no commercial ties to any company, never have, never will. And so the the supplements that we review in Chapter 11 are ones that we can cite literature that is not generated by the company itself. I should mention that, yeah. That's awesome. I mean... Bonnie, I can't tell you how important that is. And once again, you know, this is these are the facts. This is not um, a book to sell things, to sell a product, to sell a formulation. This is a book about our bodies, about our biochemistry, and about nourishment. You know, I, I'm, people are probably going to roll their eyes when I t- when I say this again. But anytime I've, I, I looked up diet in the dictionary a long, long time ago when I was writing a presentation because I wanted to know exactly what it meant. Um, because I was using it a lot, right? We use it a lot in in what we do. And when I looked it up, it changed my life, and it I, I changed the way that I talk about diet. Because it, when you look it up, it's called it, it basically diet means habitual nourishment. So how is a habit? Do you nourish yourself? And so that word nourishment uh, became something different to me because you know food in our country and in our society is a lot. It's nourishment certainly, but it can be uh, a drug. It can be comfort. It can be celebratory. There's a whole heck of a lot going on with people's relationship with food. And especially if there's a mental illness, when you want to quell you know, some of that depression, the wrong kinds of food, it's like moth to a flame almost. It can just ignite and continue on a vicious cycle of what you're going through. And the fact that the book is so well-written and so well-researched and that it's very straightforward with the exact micronutrients that need to be added in and when, uh, based on the literature. It's it's just simply amazing. Thank you. You know, I'd also like to point out that we deal with, with a myth in that book that um, we should try to dispel whenever we have the opportunity, and that is the myth that eating a whole foods Mediterranean-style diet is more expensive than a fast food, highly processed diet. And in fact, it's the opposite. We have a chapter um, with recipes, as you know, and in that chapter we teach people how to cook inexpensive but healthy whole foods meals, and, and especially the way to save money, of course, is to cook. And it's also to cook with beans and lentils and things. So people say, oh, I've had, I've had clinicians in, in the audience Holly say, you know, uh, this is all very interesting, but all my clients tell me that they can't improve their diet because it's too expensive. Well, it's not. You actually save money. Yes. I will agree with you 100%. And that is such, that's such a talking point and a myth that's out there that people, um, I think they hang on to it. You know, it's like, it's almost like a barrier. It's an excuse to um, putting in, you know, (laughs) you know, I always say, I, I, we could talk for about an, you know seven hours or so, but I know we don't have that much time. But yeah. you know, here take this approach to medicine is extremely easy. If you present at your doctor, you get a diagnosis of anxiety or depression, you are giving a pill, so an antidepressant or what have you. Yeah. And you go to the pharmacy and fill it, and you take it every morning, and that's your health care. That is easy. It doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of thought. When you're getting to root cause and the lack of nutrients that are creating chemical imbalances that are contributing to these clinical issues of, of anxiety, depression, and more, um, you got you know to get some skin in the game and to think about diet and lifestyle and certain tailored 
evidence-based supplements. Um, you have to have some skin in the game. You know, there's got to be uh, some buy in there. And I think that myth of eating a whole foods, as you said, Mediterranean style diet, and I'm going to ask you to talk to my listeners more about that is more expensive. It's not because I, 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 I have proven it and I will take people out to the grocery store. Um, and then also there's the, the, the whole myth that you can't change your diet because you don't cook, right? People don't cook. Well, there's a whole big difference between cooking and like making a very fancy bolognese sauce and just preparing, right? Boiling some lentils, some quinoa, and just following simple directions, you know, an, an hour out of your week, the amount of food prep you could do to prepare yourself for success is amazing. It is. Thank you for raising that because the, the term cooking scares people, the prep work, but my goodness, it's changed in the last 10 years. You can buy your veggies chopped up. You can buy your garlic in a jar. You can buy, uh, you know, you can just get your grains and boil in water. It's amazing how much how much easier it is to do now. You know, I, I often tell people about one thing about our book that I don't know where to fit this comment in, so I'm just going to mention it now. Because people feel saturated with information about nutrition and they kind of don't know why this book is really different, I ask them just to read the introduction. And especially uh-huh. busy people, because it's not a terribly long book at all, um, but it, it just looks, any book that you think, oh, I don't have time to read that. Well, if you just read our introduction, and I don't mean Dr. Andrew Wiles' forward, although that's really excellent too, but I mean mm-hmm. the introduction that we wrote that as to how we got into all of this, Julia and I, and about what kinds of important issues we t- touch on in the book, I think people will see that it's quite novel. Yeah, and 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 useful. The, the the recipes in and of themselves, based on the research that are are, are there, are amazing. So uh, we we stumbled over the word Mediterranean. You said it, I said it. Um, yeah, and it's right. out there. And and I want you to break it down because once again, I fear that oh, you know, there's the paleo diet, there's the blood type diet, there's the Mediterranean diet, there's the you know heart health diet. Um, let's not get stuck on like this is the 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 Mediterranean diet, but talk about it more in context with the evidence and the the research. Right. It's it's actually um, nobody quite knows what to call it. Years ago, Andy Weil called it a true food diet, um, and maybe that is a term that is more accurate. But the Mediterranean diet really refers to the balance that you're eating both you know um, nuts and seeds and beans and lentils and lots of fruits and veggies and fish and meat if you eat fish and meat and dairy if you eat dairy etc um and of course olive oil because that's the mediterranean <laughs> the mediterranean aspect of it isn't it but no matter what you call it i mean maybe we should call it the anti-processed um chemical diet because if you are substituting that processed stuff with whole foods or true foods then you're eating a lot more nutrients and that's that's really what matters. Yeah. I love that you said that because it's so funny. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time educating about who I am and what I do because it's different, right? I, you know, I talk about my principles like identify and treat the cause and first do no harm by using things like diet, lifestyle, clinical nutrition, botanical medicine with evidence behind it or treat the whole person, respect the healing power of nature. And then I decided a couple of years ago that instead of just doing that, what I would do 
is talk about allopathic medicine and what they do and what what allopathic doctors who are trained are really good at, um, which is what kind of you said regarding the anti, you know, processed, poor soil food, over sugared is, is really then if you're not eating that, you are eating more whole foods. And that's what I started to do. I was like, look, you know, I had a really bad motorcycle accident and I was very happy for the, 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 the doctor's ability to just reduce me to my injuries. And, um, that was important. Uh, also had a major surgery, very, you know, important. But when we're talking about these chronic issues, like we're talking about this morning today, it's like the anxiety, depression, cancer, obesity, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, we've got to get more and more into looking at root cause. And when there's a lack of micronutrients, not being able to feed our biochemistry, whether it's through the work that you've done with anxiety, depression, ADHD, etc., or anything else, it's so important. It's just foundational, as I said at the top of the show. Very, very true. And one of the things that's bugging me, you mentioned how you're kind of tired of hearing about the pandemic and vaccinations these days. I am so tired of opening the paper or whatever every morning and seeing still another article on how depression, oh, and and in today's paper, um, mothers are suffering and all that. Why won't they pay attention to what the positive things that can be done? I've been trying to get op-eds in various papers and so forth and talk about how to improve your resilience, that nutrition is the foundation of your resilience, and this is how people could be empowering themselves and doing better. We we have a whole chapter on crisis and post-trauma because we have a whole research line that came from Julia's accidental beginning when they had this massive earthquake in Christchurch, but then we carried carried it through looking at how um, supplementary nutrients in this in this case, because we weren't doing diet changes, but supplementary nutrients improved resilience following earthquakes and then the floods we had in Alberta here and then the mass shootings that they had in the mosques in Christchurch. I mean, this is very relevant to Americans. You guys have mass shootings almost every single day. And there are people who have, they they shouldn't be going on medication right away. I mean, I sometimes say medication should be called a supplement. Um, But nutrition is foundational. Nutrition is not supplementary, not even when it's in pill form. Nutrition is what we absolutely require and what we've evolved to need. Yeah, that's, I mean... You said it right there. Yeah. It, it is foundational. So, okay. Thank you, Bonnie, so much. Um, it is, uh, everybody, listen, the better brain, overcome anxiety, combat depression, and reduce ADHD and stress with nutrition. Uh, it's an understatement. Um, I think you're right. Uh, another sort of byline should be, and here's the why. Um, here's the why the is why. really important, and it's right there. This book is for you. It is sold, I, and I've seen it everywhere um everywhere you can get books it's out uh, as it was dropped in april right that's right it's doing it's doing very yeah. well the sales yeah and it's beautiful it's beautifully written it is a beautiful book it's got so many resources the reason that i do this show is because i want to help people sort of open their minds and um, be able to make choices and take better care of themselves and this is this is a book that's going to do that so if anybody is struggling and you want a foundational root cause uh, first step to getting better, the better brain. Bonnie, thank you so much for all of your work. Please thanks Julia as well. And it's been a pleasure to have you here on Mindful Medicine. 
Thank you, Holly. It was really great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for your work. All right, mindful listeners, I'm going to see you next time.